Okay, tonight we're moving into part three of the series on faith. Faith, do I believe? And to focus tonight is silence. If you remember, our series started from the words from the prophet Isaiah. And the quote was, and the Lord said to Isaiah, go forth to meet Ahaz and say to him, and here are the four things we had to, to remember. Take heed. And that was what we focused on in part two, what it means to be attentive to our hearts. Be quiet. We're going to focus tonight on be quiet. Do not fear and do not let your hearts be faint. So the first thing the Lord says is be quiet. And pretty much that brings to mind the words in, in the simple path in the section on silence 5B, where the Lord says, we must mortify ourselves in silence, especially when the Lord permits us to be shaken, that we go through that storm. What immediately happens in a storm is chaos. And the chaos many times brings us to to unsettled speak, speech, unsettled reactions, and a lot of um, thoughts. So we have to really tell ourselves, be quiet. <laughs> Just be quiet. So let's focus tonight on one teaching from the Lord in the in the path number 102 in page 285. So if you have your paths with you, go to that page. And our teaching is just going to go deep into this one teaching from the Lord. If you notice, it has three paragraphs. So we're going to take each paragraph um, and go deep into each paragraph. So the first paragraph says this. Silence allows you to embrace fully the sorrow of your heart. And tonight I want you to remember one word. And the one word I want everybody to remember is embrace. And that's why I have our Blessed Mother next to me, embracing John Paul II. And as we speak tonight, you're going to see why this embrace is so important. So silence allows you to embrace fully the sorrows in your heart. Silence allows you to enter fully the sorrow I am permitting in your heart. Think about that. Whatever sorrow you're going to, going through, the Lord is permitting you to enter that sorrow. He wants you to enter that sorrow. Now look at what the Lord says. As you embrace this pain and suffering, you are embracing me. And this is key for our formation as victim souls. Our pain becomes the personal encounter with Christ. You are embracing my pain and suffering and thus entering my heart. 
for my heart is all pain and love. This is my mercy. So let's go deep into this first section. I'd like for you to think of these three paragraphs as three levels of silence, three works of silence. So this first level of silence, you could call it, is the silence and stillness of heart that is needed to be attentive to what is in our hearts. It's a type of silence that moves us into the attentiveness at any given time of any trial, of any challenge, of what is in my heart. And here is the process we went through. I'm not going to go through it because that was talk two. But that is so important because our spirituality and love crucified, the way the Lord has formed us as victim souls, is not up in the air. It's very concrete. And that second teaching gave specific bullet points on how to get to the core of the pain. I would say one thing tonight that many times I think, especially for men, it's easier for them to remain in the anger because actually it, dealing with the anger is easier than making themselves vulnerable to feel the pure pain. But think of this way. The anger, frustration, resentment, revenge that each of us might be feeling is not from God. So if I am, remain in the anger, now think of the word embrace. What I'm embracing is Satan. I am embracing to remain in his um, oppression, in his darkness. That is why we must fight, especially with the help of accompaniment, to move through the anger, give the anger to the Lord. And what we must embrace is the pure pain. Because in the pure pain is Christ himself. So when we embrace the pure sorrow, then we are embracing the body of Christ. The work of processing what is in our hearts with Christ in the light of the Holy Spirit is hard work. A work that at times can be emotionally draining. A work that requires grace to persevere and also discipline to mortify ourselves in silence and stay focused to remain in the embrace of the pure pain. So think of the work of silence as actual work. So let's move now to the second paragraph, entering the deeper level of silence. And in the second paragraph, the Lord teaches us to come to know the love of your beloved is to come to experience my sorrow. 
This is why my mother is the queen of sorrows. For it is she who lived most perfectly consumed in my heart. My little one, this union of sorrow must move your heart to love all. By suffering with silence, peace, and abandonment for all your brothers and sisters. So I want to focus on this paragraph. The Lord is telling us that this union of sorrows must move us to an action. The action is to love. The silence our Lord teaches us is an interior action of our will that refocuses our pain and sorrow in Jesus. This state of silence is actually a verb. It is not a silence of nothingness. It is the silence of intense love. A love that participates in the love of God through the pearl of suffering. This divine silence is profound work, interior work, hidden work, demanding work, selfless work, courageous work. This state of silence is the hidden force. And my brothers and sisters, it is this interior work that is at the core of who we are as mothers of the cross and missionaries of the cross. It is here in this interior work of silence, embracing the sorrow in Christ, that we live fully our calling to be our Lord's victims of love. And here is where we enter the core of answering Father Ron's question. Are we living as victim souls? Here is where you find the answer. If you have entered this interior work of entering the, and embracing the pure pain, and in that pain embracing Christ, you are living as a victim soul. The Lord says, this union of sorrow must move your heart to love all. It's a choice. So here, I'd like for us to consider a minute the parable of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 35. In the book, 33 Days to Merciful Love, Father Michael Gately explains something beautiful. He says, Mercy is when God doesn't pass us as the priest and Levite, but rather like the Samaritan, comes to where we are, sees our weakness, brokenness, and misery, and then acts to heal us and bring us to a place of comfort and rest. In other words, mercy involves two things, the heart and the arms. Jesus is the Good Samaritan 
that is moved because of his compassion to come to me personally and pick me up and carry me in his arms. I remember, and I've also shared this many times, when I was drowning in my misery and I saw it like quicksand, and the Lord came to me and pulled me out. I was in darkness, I was ugly, I was in sin, and the Lord pulled me out. And when I had this image, when he pulled me out, I was full of mud. I was all dirty. And the beauty of what the Lord did was just like the, the, the Good Samaritan. He began to wipe me and to clean me, making me again his beautiful one, beautiful in virtue, beautiful in goodness, beautiful in love. This is how the Lord loves. What happens that I have to struggle with and each of you is that many times the person lying on the side of the street is that person in our lives that is most wounded, most broken. The person in our lives that hurts us the most. The person in our lives that is the most difficult to love. And many times what I have had to personally deal with is that I am the Levite and the priest that walks on the other side of the street and wants to separate myself from this broken soul that is in my life. Here is where the Lord shows us because I have picked you up, embraced you in my arms. You must do the same thing to this soul in your life. In number 88, on page 243 in our path, it says this. The light of Jesus Christ is love that suffers all and with all. Love in pain and sorrow. Now listen carefully. Love that enters into the brokenness of humanity and receives her brokenness into himself to heal and restore her in God. Love receives her wounds and bears them upon his body to heal her with the balm of his tenderness in mercy. This is the light of the world. This is love, the word incarnate. This is at the core of the formation of a mother of the cross and missionary of the cross. This is at the core of the formation of the victim souls God is asking for his army for these decisive times. This is at the core of the work that God is going to use to raise up a holy priesthood. If we miss this and don't enter to greater perfection in this work, 
We are not living who we are. In order to embrace the brokenness of our brothers and sisters, we must first come to know and receive our own brokenness in Christ. Anne Voskamp said, never be afraid of being a broken thing. One of the biggest disorders most of us have is the disorder of perfectionism. Because at the root of that disorder is that I have to do everything right and be successful in everything in order to be loved. That is a disorder. I do not permit myself to be broken and accept myself in Christ as the broken human being I am. The beginning of our path in our formation as victim souls begins by revealing to each of us our brokenness, our woundedness. We must ask for the grace to live our woundedness, our brokenness in Christ. Humility is knowing that we are broken. And living with our brokenness fully exposed to ourselves and Christ with perfect faith that God mends the broken heart. Humility never hides our brokenness, but lives unveiled in the merciful love of God. That is how we must live our brokenness in Christ. It is only by living in peace and in the embrace of our own brokenness in Christ that we can have the tenderness, patience, and mercy of God to embrace the broken souls in our lives as our Cristo rotos. We can never separate our brokenness from the brokenness of humanity. Our spouses, children, Daughters-in-law, son-in-laws, grandchildren, mothers, fathers, superiors, friends, priests. We must live in gratitude and the constant awareness of how our God loves us. Our God is the hidden force for each of us. Our Lord sees our brokenness and cries before Ava, asking him for the graces we need. Yet to each of us, what we constantly receive from the Lord is his tenderness and mercy, not condemnation. We receive from the Lord as the wounded person on the side of the street, his embrace. And my family, what heals, what heals a broken humanity is the embrace of God the embrace of our Blessed Mother. Therefore, here we come to the core of how we're going to raise up a holy transformed priesthood. 
Father Jordy gave an incredible teaching last week on the condition of the church. We must see the Lord has given us a mission. The mission is specifically for these times in the church. The Lord has asked us and told us that if we live this victim life so hidden that nobody sees, we are going to raise up a transformed priesthood. So how are we going to do it? Each of us in our lives has personally known and encountered a man, a woman, a child that is deeply broken. These souls live in the pit of their wounds, but their pit is so deep that they are not able to get out. These souls are not able to do the work of the path, and sometimes even the best of psychology cannot heal them. Their personality disorders have created in them a totally false identity that they cannot remove. Most of us have someone in our lives that lives this level of brokenness and sometimes can even be the thorn in our flesh. This level of brokenness is the brokenness, my family, that exists in the church. And it is only by embracing these broken souls through the silence of the hidden martyrdom of the heart with Christ that God will penetrate their darkness and raise a multitude of souls to new life. Let's say your mother or your father or your spouse or you have a child or a nephew that is in a serious, serious broken condition. Many times, if it is someone close to us, it is a constant challenge because these souls are constantly hurting us. These souls are constantly causing pain in us. But we must, especially through accompaniment, we must move through the anger, the resentment, and get to the core of our pain. These souls cannot love us the way we would like to be loved. These souls cannot love their families the way their families need to be loved. These are the bishops. These are the cardinals. These are the priests in the church that cannot love as Christ loves. These are the souls the Lord is saying, embrace the pain they cause you. I need you. Why does the Lord tell us he needs us? Because in our hearts, we carry the wound and the sin of those souls. And therefore, we have the power to bring through
through the pain, that wound that's in us, in Christ, to unite it to his pain in that embrace and suffer with Christ for them, begging the Father to bring salvation, healing, and deliverance. These are demons to them. The way the Lord has shown me is interiorly, this is the work I do. This, let's say, a soul that's in my life that that pierces my heart. I enter at that moment that pain, but in my heart, in my arms, I have the body of Christ embraced. And I sense and I feel this soul in the wounds of Christ in his body. So that as I'm embracing Jesus, I'm embracing this mother or father or spouse or child. And as I embrace Jesus and this person, this soul into my heart, I beg Christ to heal them, to restore them. It's a work of love. It's an interior work, but it's a powerful work. It's a work that can only be done in silence. That is why every mother and missionary of the cross must have that silence in the blessed sacrament or sometimes even as you drive, as you work with your hands, as you garden, that type of work allows you to enter that silence. And therefore we must believe Matthew 15, 28. Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you desire. Here is the key. Every mother of the cross and missionary of the cross must believe, have faith and hope that this interior work that each of us are doing in silence, that nobody see except for God, is going to bring healing, salvation, and deliverance to those souls at some point in their lives. But we must let go of the control. We must let go of the expectations. Many times what keeps us in our anger is that they're not performing And they're not doing what we expect them to do. But they can't. Because they're broken. They can't love. They can't give of themselves in that way. We have to let go of the expectations and trust in God. So now we get to the third section. And the third paragraph of the teaching on 285 says this. The Lord speaking to us, my sons and daughters, exteriorly smile and tend to the duties of your vocation with detail and love. But interiorly, through the arms of silence, Live embracing your sorrows 
In this way, you are embracing my crucified body and soothing my wounds. This is the life of love. Who are we? What is the Lord desiring from each of us? Why has he united us in love crucified? In number 84 on page 236, the Lord says it clearly. I desire for you, for you, for you to be my companion in this time of great suffering to remain with me, to collect my tears shed for all of humanity. You have been chosen to be one with me. My consolation during these end times, this is your identity of a mother of the cross and a missionary of the cross, my community. The church is going through its passion again. Our Lord is suffering greatly. And just like he asked three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, to remain with him, to suffer with him, to participate with him in his agony, he is asking us. And this is how we do it. Is it hard to remain in the embrace of those sorrows? Of course it is. Our humanity wants to forget about it. Our humanity wants to get distracted. Our humanity wants to have a few drinks to just relax. It's difficult. But here is what we're called to live and help each other. I asked Jesus how to live as his companions of love. This is still on page 236. And here the Lord tells us, this is how we are his companions. Be attentive to each person you encounter in your life, not just the ones you love, not some of your beautiful wives or husbands or children that are so amazing, so wonderful, that fill you with so much love. He's saying, be attentive to each person including those that you don't like too much. The Lord says, I live in them. I suffer for them and with them. This is my body. Have the docility of heart to receive the brokenness of all people into your own heart as one with me. This is participation in the love of the Trinity to receive the wounds of your brothers and sisters and to give the sacrifice of your life as one with me for their salvation and sanctification. Are we willing to receive the most broken souls in our lives, the ones that bring us to frustration and even to hatred, the ones that can bring us to the greatest revenge and resentment? Are we willing to embrace those souls and actually tell the Lord, I sacrifice my life as a victim soul for them. That is love. That is the love, divine love. That is the love of Jesus Christ. 
And the path brings us to such a level of purification that this is what the Lord is giving us the grace to do. And this act of love that most people will never even see is going to change the world and deal in the most powerful way with the brokenness in the body of Christ right now. And I want to end tonight's teaching by focusing a little bit on the wrong kind of silence. Not all silence is virtuous. There is the silence of hiding, the silence of shame. That is not the silence from God. There is the silence of judging, the silence of condemning. And there is also the silence as a reaction of fear. And that is why the Lord tells Isaiah the third thing, do not fear. The scriptures tell us there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So one of the things we must be attentive to when we're struggling, when we're in a trial or challenge, is we must be attentive to the fear in our heart. Many times the fear is united to a lie. And that is an important work of accompaniment. Why are you scared? What is that fear? And come to know the lie. What am I scared? Why am I scared? That's an important question that each of us must ask. And on page 450 in our path, we have the litany of humility. And there's a whole section on the litany of humility that only speaks about fear. And here is what it says. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wrong from the fear of being suspected. We live with all kinds of fears because of our woundedness. And those fears many times brings us to silence. Fear paralyzes us. It prevents love. What are the lies Satan is speaking in my heart? It's a question when we deal with the fear we must ask. And the Lord always teaches us we must move through the fear with trust. If not, the fear then controls us and paralyzes us. So that is something we we must. So I want you to end tonight looking at the woman, our blessed mother that represents the mothers of the cross, embracing as she embraces John Paul II, she's embracing all of us. And think of God the Father in the painting of the prodigal son, embracing the father, embracing the son. Here we have two images of the father's embrace 
and the mother's embrace. In love crucified, we have the missionaries of the cross that are called to be the embrace of the father and the mothers of the cross that are called to be the embrace of the mother. It is in this most profound work of silence in our hearts, embracing these souls as one with Mary and Jesus, that love is going to be able to flow. What heals humanity, what has healed all of us, is the embrace of love. And therefore, I encourage all of you, my family, to continue to persevere in this work of Love Crucified, especially in accompaniment, to persevere becoming more and more the embrace of Mary and the embrace of the Father. Amen.